It's Friday. You know what time it is. FRPC football on the air. I'm your host, Vince. I'm excited. College football is back in a big way. We had week zero. I understand. Fighting Irish did their thing. Went out and smashed Navy, USC. They smashed San Jose State. Defense gave up some points. I kind of knew that was going to happen. It's the same thing every year with Lincoln Riley. But we are back. We are back in a big way. Football is back. I'm so excited. And yes, I am on the solo mission again, which is great. No problems. My guy is enjoying his time off. I'm I'm super excited for him. And uh, we hope to uh, get him in the mix, hopefully within the next uh, the next week. So shout out to our guy, Nico. And let's continue with the podcast. So there's a lot of news going on in college football. We got to get to the realignment discussion. I will get there. But first and foremost, what we need to talk about is this. Alabama, we got to start there. Alabama has named their starting quarterback per Chris Lowe of ESPN. We are looking at Jalen Milrow, the redshirt sophomore from, uh, he was a five-star recruit, and he is going to get the start over the Notre Dame transfer, uh, Buckner, and uh Ty Simpson, who is also there as well. So Alabama, roll tie. My guy Kendall will be so excited about this. They have named a quarterback. He doesn't care. He he just thinks that Bama is just always going to be good no matter what. Um this is a great debate going on in a in a friend group that I have about is is this the time that Alabama succeeds to Georgia and Georgia is now the power in the SEC and Kendall brought up a good point Alabama has dominated for a decade guess what Georgia and Kirby Smart has pulled off in the last couple years winning back-to-back national championships anytime you can add two natties to your deal um in back-to-back fashion always uh, impressive but what Saban has done in Tuscaloosa over the last decade has been not just impressive, it has been dominant. This dude is always in the college football playoffs. Last year, first time, wasn't a participant, winning a lot of championships, recruiting class, always top-notch. He just does it on every level. Oh, and by the way, another thing that he does he rehabs coaches that were either in the SEC or professional coaches, shines them up, and then makes them better so they can go on and get that bag down the road. So I'm not here to say that Georgia is not on the cusp of great things. I think we throw out the the word great too much. What Georgia has done has been impressive, 100%. Great? Mm, look at that team in Tuscaloosa before we start throwing around the word great, right? In other news, right, uh, we got to talk about what our guy, <laughs> listen, I'm not huge on the uh, 
Mel Kuyper bandwagon. He's not my first go-to when it comes to uh, NFL draft analysis. I like Matt Miller a lot. I do. Um, I like the guys. Daniel Jeremiah. Love him. Bucky Brooks. I really like him. Um, And before Trent Differ took the job at uh, UAB, who also got their first win of the season a couple nights ago. So congratulations to Trent Deerfer for, you know, getting his Blazers off to a, a hot start. But Trent used to say a lot of things about, like, quarterbacks, and I really enjoyed his um, his thoughts on the quarterback position. No matter what you thought about him as a quarterback, Dilfer as a scout or as a as somebody who who really lives the quarterback life or whatever case may be, he can tell you certain things that only he can tell you because he's played the position. The one thing that I liked about what he said is that your DNA is your DNA. Now you can be coached. Your D, you know, you can be coached to take some of your aggressiveness aggressiveness out of the game. I'm so sorry. Must be tongue tied. I'm so excited to talk to you guys today because we are talking about college football. But Denford said that if you are a quarterback who is aggressive, you will always be aggressive. Now you can coach it down, but in the times where the quarterback is in that must do it situation, he's going to revert to who he is. I believe he said this on his podcast. He said this on the Ryan Rossillo podcast. And I think he might have said it on the Dan Patrick podcast. I'm not 100% positive about that. But um, <clears throat> we're in a situation where we have Caleb Williams. We have we have May from uh, North Carolina. The Michael Penix Jr. out in Washington. Uh, and there's a couple other kids out there, too, that we that are in the mix. The, uh, the kid from well, Leonard Miller, the kid from um, Duke as well. So we got some quarterbacks out here. But the one quarterback that I do want to talk about is the quarterback at LSU, McDaniels. The reason why I want to bring up McDaniels is because of the fact that LSU is starting to think that this is the year that they turn it around and they're also now in the mix. I saw Jalen at Arizona State. Very talented kid. Um, very athletic kid. He is still a one-read guy. And then he's going to take off. He does trust his arm. He does trust his athleticism. Now, what he did do at LSU that was different is that he did take care of the football. So my question is, is that when the lights are the brightest, when you kind of need a play, which McDaniels are we going to get? Now, I know the SEC is different. I know they are a whole different type of people. And, you know, every Saturday counts. Whole thing. I think McDaniels was playing with house money last year. 
And I'm gonna tell you right now. Um, I don't have it from a good source. I do know a couple people down in the bayou. The Nussmeyer kid. I have a s- sneaky suspicion that by when the games really are mattering, week four, week five, we might have Nussmeyer in the game. So that's my little little tidbit of information for you guys out there. Um, talking to some people that I really do trust down there. Um, not saying that they have lost confidence in McDaniels. They definitely think that the experience and what he did last year was impressive for them. But you know Brian Kelly. You know what he's all about. He's all about those W's. And he's going to get those W's. However, he needs to get those W's. And for somebody who was in a pressure cooker at Notre Dame, even though I know LSU is a completely different animal, I know it's a religion down there, I get it. I get it. Um, I need to experience it. I, I, can't, I want to get down to SEC country and feel, I just want to feel the pageant pageantry. I want to feel the intensity. I want to feel the love. It's been a while since I've been down there and I think I need to get down there and check it all out and see what it looks like now. But you're looking at a situation right now where if the accuracy does not improve for Jalen McDaniels and if he can't get to his second reads, Nussmeyer is going to be that quarterback. He is going to overtake him. Okay, Um, I saw a little bit of the Utah-Florida game last night. One thing that I have always said is Utah is a rough and rugged football team. Whittingham does not know how to be a soft football team. He's always going to be very intense. He's going to have a physical football team, and that's what you saw last night. Keep in mind, too, Florida, they didn't have Cam Rising, and they didn't have a couple of their other studs out there, and you still got handled pretty well. So what does this mean for Florida football this year? If you guys were looking at yourself as a top-tier SEC team, I didn't know if this was the year. I'm not saying you couldn't get there. And when I say top tier, you're winning nine games. You're in the mix for like the bigger bowls, the Citrus Bowls. You know, I'm, I'm leaving you out of the college playoff deal. You know what I'm saying? But I still believe in your coach. You got to give him some time. You got to get him, give him some recruiting classes. And I think he's getting closer. I think this was a um, bump in the road. No doubt. You hate to lose to the Pac-12, who is getting disbanded, which we'll talk about soon enough here. Um, But this is a good learning lesson for Florida. And yeah, they're going to take their lumps this year. But we, I think with, with what they have that they recruited this past recruiting season and then going into next year, I think 
you can then start really being more selective with your transfer portal people. And then you don't have to have this complete like exodus and then add, right? And the reason why I want to talk about this is because you look at Caleb Williams and his chances of winning a uh, a second Heisman. That defense is still not good. Now, yes, it's one game. Can they get better? Can they improve? 100%. This is not a slam on USC. But when you're going out and getting Vandy linebackers because the linebackers you recruited weren't good enough to play, and no, listen, no disrespect to Vandy, but the level of program USC is to the level of program that Vanderbilt is, and that's where you're going out and getting linebackers, tells me a lot about these four-star and five-star guys that USC is constantly getting and still do not make any real impact, real significant um, dent in providing a, a more stout defense for USC. So again, it will be on the shoulder of Caleb Williams this year in the offensive genius that is Lincoln Riley, but that guy has never put together a good defense. He's had good defensive players that have gone into the league, but he has never put together a good defense. So this leads us to what? College football realignment. We're here. I was hoping to have Nico on this podcast for this, um, but I think also I can give you some sort of perspective of what I've seen over the, over the years. Um, first and foremost, I started off watching college football when there was a Pac-10, right? Now you'll say, oh, well, Vince, you're old, you know, This is progress. This is how it's supposed to be, blah, blah, blah. I understand what you're talking about. But make no mistake about it. College football is regional. And it's personal to those who love the schools, who have a connection with the schools, whether they went there, their family went there, they've just been enamored since the age of five with the uh, orange uh, checkerboard in Tennessee or whatever the case may be, um, you know, kids getting conceived in the big house, you know, at Michigan, Happy Valley at Penn State is a scene, Wisconsin, Camp Randall, absolute scene, but it's special to those in that area and in the surrounding area. Now, when I say on a national on a national level, it does it doesn't make the impact that like let's say the Dallas Cowboys make, right? I'm like I'm not trying to be rude, but when you look at these schools, LSU is a good one. Alabama's a great one. They're a brand, yes. Do not get me wrong. They're a brand, but when you put them in the significance of like the New York Yankees or the Boston Celtics or the Dallas Cowboys or the New England Patriots or the Los Angeles Dodgers or whatever the case may be, right? 
yes, they they're somewhere, but it's not elevated to that level where like people are just talk, you're in the zeitgeist type situation. Now, us who love college football, yes, we definitely know where Tuscaloosa is. We definitely know that that has been the epicenter of football for the last decade, up until the last couple of years when Georgia took it over. But this thing that the when you have the conference realignments, the one thing that you do lose is you do lose that little, like, extra special, the rivalries and things of that nature. Like, Texas didn't play Texas A&M, and now that they're going to the SEC, and people will say, well, Vince, this is proving your point. Now they're playing their rival. I get you. Hold on. Give me a second. There was, I don't care what you say, I understand it's progress, whatever. There was something special about watching uh, the Rose Bowl and the Big Ten champion would roll in to play the Pac-10 champion. Now, you would say, well, well, we only really care about number one. There was a time that we didn't. There was a time that we didn't. You were just the Rose Bowl champion, and that was awesome. Or you were the Fiesta Bowl champion, and that was awesome. Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, whatever, right? There's been so many of them. But people who play in the Citrus Bowl and they play in the Meineke Bowl and all these others, um, I do think we we inundated the market with bowls. I do, I do uh, agree with that. I think if we would have had like a tight 15 or something like that, or top, you know, top 20, get like the top 40 teams in the, you know, in college football and then have bowls and whatever. And then also do something for the smaller conferences and things of that nature. And that was the other thing is that you had, you had bowl games specifically for conference USA. And then they would play like um, the Mac or whatever the case may be. Now, what, what I would have liked to see if you would have took the Mac school and you took them to play like the SWAC schools, like the HBCUs, that might have been interesting, have some sort of type of heritage cup or something like that. But that wasn't the case. And this is where we are. And now we're in the let's grab everybody and teams are chasing uh, chasing the dollar which I am sad on and I am understanding on. I can't sit here and say, well, shame on UCLA for going to the Big Ten. Not when I want them to compete for upper echelon bowls. I'm not the... The myopic fan that sits there and goes, I want UCLA to win a national championship every single year. I'm not that guy. Well, it'd be nice if we played in like the higher level bowls and we were competitive and we won some. And we took some on chin and whatever and just got better and built our program because UCLA has a top notch facility. We're also in Los Angeles. Our campus is in a very beautiful area. 
of Los Angeles as far as UCLA is concerned. I say we, it's not we. I just like UCLA. Um, but now the Pac-12 is now down to two teams. Because the ACC has just added Stanford, the University of California at Berkeley, and also Southern Methodist University. So SMU, Cal, and Stanford are on their way to the ACC. Um, We are now at the point where... um, the Pac-12 is dead. There's two schools left. Everybody's gone. Colorado's now in the Big 12. Utah also sent themselves to the Big 12. Um, Arizona and Arizona State are also there. Oregon, Washington, UCLA, and USC are in the Big 10. And then I just told you about the three other schools that <clears throat> went off and did their own thing. That leaves Washington State and Oregon State. So Oregon doesn't even have Oregon State in their conference anymore. Same for Washington. Notice Arizona and Arizona State stuck together. Colorado and Utah stuck together. UCLA also stuck together with USC. That was a good move by UCLA, by the way. Because they tried to act like a UC school. And for those who don't know, we have a bunch of universities in the state of California, right? We're a huge state, right? We got what they call the Cal State program. Now, the Cal State program, you might know some of those schools from like Cal State Fullerton. Like if you watch the College World Series, Cal State Long Beach, also known as Long Beach State, right? And there's several others. There's Northridge and Bakersfield and Sacramento, all these schools. So we have the Cal State system. Then we have the UC system, the University of California of system, okay? So that includes UC San Diego, UCLA, University of Cal at Berkeley. And several others, right? UC uh, Santa Barbara, downline. Then you have what they call the private schools. Okay? So that's the USC's of the world. Right? Pepperdine's of the world. Loyola Marymount's of the world. Um, Stanford. So, we have these three different things going all on. But I think there we might be in a real kind of um, special position because some of our schools that are in those different ranges are now also in big-time programs, I mean big-time conferences. So you have UCLA, who is a UC school. You have University of Berkeley. That is also a UC school. Then you got Stanford private, USC private, and it goes on and on and on from there. So you had a lot of people talking about, oh, how much money 
um, because there's a coalition with the UC schools. There's a coalition with the Cal State schools. Um, now, private schools, they're on their own deal. They're private. That's the reason for it. But now we're in a situation where UCLA said, to hell with it. We're not acting like a UC school, which they shouldn't have been for like the last 20 or 30 years. And I'm not going to get into a whole thing while they were mismanaged and all that. That's for a complete UCLA history pod, which we will have to do down the road. But the reason why I bring it up is because when the when it was time to make that decision, they definitely were going to go for the money. And this is where the destruction of college fo- football happens. They saw USC leave. They were going to go with them. You know, Oregon and Washington kind of turned it down at first and then saw what was going on in the Pac-12 or what was left of it and then decided like, hey, yo, we want to get in on this too. So keep that in mind. But now you don't have the different styles of play in the different scenery, you know, like Big Ten schools wouldn't care at all about UCLA or USC until they played each other in the Rose Bowl, and then they would do their scouting. You might get a couple guys who would, okay, you know, if everything works out, this is probably who we're going to play. But when you saw you know, the Rose Bowl and USC and UCLA were playing in it, you know, um, late in November. And it's a beautiful 67 degrees in Southern California with a slight breeze out of the Southwest. And the San Gabriel Mountains are in the background. I mean, it's just an awesome sight. It's just cool. And it's different for other people around the country, right? Because... You know, in November, there might be snow on the ground. You know, it's cold. We got multiple layers of clothing. And then you see a, a stadium of 70, 80,000 people packed, and they got sunglasses and T-shirts on. So I'm going to miss that. The traveling, I'm not going to sit here and, and complain about that. I do not care. There's jet planes and you know, whatever, and you you made your bed. So if you ha- poor USC might have to travel to Rutgers, that's on you. You you made that decision. It's just some of the other things that go along with it. It's like the bowls do not mean what they used to, because the orange used to be tied to um, what was it? Was it the ACC and Big Twelve? I think it was like, yeah, it was like first team ACC, first team Big 12, right? Uh, we used to have the Sugar Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl would be like the SEC team, um, and then whoever. It was like ACC, whomever would come down and play on. So those things will be missed, like the kind of geographical positioning of the bowls 
none of that matters anymore because it's all done with the playoff system in mind. Which, again, we understand. Makes more money, supposedly creates more excitement. I just don't know if you can make it national enough for the casual person in Chicago to care about Alabama. I don't know if you can get the the Ames, Iowa person to care about what's going on at USC. I don't think you're going to get the sophisticated New Yorker to care about what's going on at Eugene and the University of Oregon. So those are the things they're trying to do because they're trying to make this a event. And I get it because they see the model above them with the NFL, but there is a problem with that. Yes, there's been realignment here and there. There's been some expansion here and there. But the one thing that has kind of made sense, there's an AFC and then there's an NFC. And then the NFC plays the AFC winner in the Super Bowl. That's how it works. Tried true. Play a certain amount of games. That game gives you playoff position. You go through the gauntlet of your playoffs in your conference. Then you're the champion of your conference. And then you go play in the Super Bowl. We have some sort of committee who uses computers, who takes strength of schedule into play, uh, some... um, I don't know. There's some other stuff that there's some, there's a lot of criteria that go into it. But at the end of the day, it's not, it's not what is done on the field. There's still some sort of tribunal that oversees it. So do you get the the best four every year? Now we're going to have 12. The conferences are huge. Is there going to be a Big Ten, like, West champion and East champion? I don't even think they figure that out. What about in the Big 12? The Big 12 is crazy big now. Like, they took on Cincinnati, Houston as well. So they're huge. It's just a lot going on. And I'm not saying that it's all bad or whatever. The one thing that I think they were trying to do, and I think you could have done this by keeping the conferences the way they were, um, just a really crappy job by Larry Scott, the old commissioner of the Pac-12, and now the new commissioner, who literally walked into just a rubble of what the Pac-12 used to be. And he was trying to get a TV deal done with ESPN, and ESPN, I think, offered them like twenty-five or thirty million per university. And you know that the Pac-12 turned up their nose to that. The Pac-12, who is not the Big Twelve, who is not the SEC, hell, you're not even on par with the ACC. You turned up your nose to 25, 30 mil for um, every school. That's annually, by the way. 
TV stuff. But they did that. And then the, the officers started to dry up. And then they were set to do something with Apple for significantly less money than what ESPN was offered them, by the way. And now you have no conference because you didn't grab teams. You weren't aggressive to grab teams early. You took the handshake of the so-called Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, Pac-12 alliance. Remember that thing? <laughs> Remember that thing a couple years ago? All the all the ADs and the conference heads got a, you know, got together and had a little meeting and said, "We won't poach other universities from other conferences." That's pretty much what we saw for like the last 16, 18 months. It's just conferences, just poaching teams left and right. (laughs) Does it make any geographical sense? No. But you know what it makes us? It makes us scintillating. It makes us tantalizing because we got these new schools in our conference. I guess. I guess so. Now here's my here's my one other question with this. When Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Michigan, Alabama, when these schools are like going nine and three, and listen, I'm not saying it's this year, so pump the brakes, okay? But what I'm saying is, is that when, you know, we've done all the realignment, everybody's set, two, three years go by, and let's say Nick Saban has been 9-3 and because the conference is so big. You know, it's just huge. You know, maybe a couple injuries here and there. It's just a gauntlet, right? So if you're, if you're Alabama, and you're nine and three for like the last couple last couple years, which would make the fans of the Crimson Tide so pissed. They be like, "The hell with this system. This system sucks because it's not making us it's not making us look great." I don't know if that's going to be the blowback. I do not know, but I'm just throwing out scenarios that could be. If you think they're so far fetched, hit me up on X. That's at front runner PC or hit up Nico and say, yo, you need to get back soon because your man is going crazy. He's so crazy. So hit Nico up, up at, at Nico FRPC. Um, there's a couple other things that I want to get to before we uh, get out of here. First of all, one, enjoy your weekend. Labor Day weekends here. Football will be everywhere. I can't wait. I'm I'm just geeked for it. Also, there's a po- couple wrestling pay per views on my 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 uh, TV watching is going to be crazy this weekend. So, other than that, the couple of the things that we kind of need to talk about is this is not just going to be a college football podcast. 
we are also going to talk about the NFL. Um, and the reason why we're going to talk about it, there's not too much going on. Um, you know about the Jonathan Taylor thing. There's no new information on that whatsoever as we speak. I just want to make sure. Nope. Everything looks good. No change. No no changes. No changes whatsoever, which is great. All right. Cool. Okay. So we're going to go into next week and we're going to get into the over-unders for the specific teams. I'll have my over-unders. We'll see if Nico can get involved in this or not, but he is literally getting ready to come to America. He's coming to he's coming to the United States. So we'll see if we can get him going. But um, we got to start talking about some of these owners. I mean, I know they do not have what the Premier League has when there's a chance for um, demotion. If you're an Arizona Cardinal fan, if you're a long-suffering San Diego Charger, now L.A. Charger fan, if you're an Indianapolis Colts fan, like, how do you decompartmentalize your owner? Like, how do you look at your owner and go, oh, I trust that guy. I trust him to make wise decisions on behalf of my franchise that I root for and probably give money to by buying jerseys and tickets and whatnot. And I'm not trying to be critical. I mean, there's some other owners out there. We point the finger out a lot of owners. Personally, we can't. But consistently, the Bidwells have not been great. I mean, what's going on in Arizona right now is is embarrassing. Um, I understand you have to get bad before you can get good. And in Improving your draft um, stature or profile by, um, you know, because your quarterback was hurt and it looks like somewhat of a lost season. Man, but the blatant cuts of people getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins when you don't have a ton of viable weapons there. Getting rid of Colt McCoy, who I'm not saying whether I don't know whether he lost it, you know, never had it, whatever kid, I don't know. Then you have Jim Ursay making these comments. We talked about it a couple days ago, these just inane comments, and then he's you know, you know, now you got Chris Ballard asking for first rounders for this guy. It's just it's a lot. It's a lot. And I just wonder, as somebody who has dealt with bad owners in the past, I mean, before we got Cronky, man, ownership of the Rams was shaky, shaky, shaky at best. But Cronky's turned around the ship. He also owns the Denver Nuggets, or his son owns the Denver Nuggets. But the Cronky family is involved heavily in the Denver Nuggets. I just look at Indianapolis. I look at, well, Jerry is just, he just says a lot of crazy stuff, but 
still good owner. But like, if you're like reading Bleacher Report or Google or Twitter and you see that your owner is trending, like what's your first thought? Is your first thought positive? Is your first thought interested? Like, oh, what does our what does our owner have to say, right? Or is it dread? It's like, oh my God, what did he do now? What did he say? You know, is it something like that? I'm just asking the questions because I don't know if you can could have handled the, the Jonathan Taylor thing any worse. I really don't. And it's all on Ursay. Then you have what's going on in Arizona, which is just, it's, there's a lot. And now there's a chance that they might lose a first round pick because of their old GM getting in touch with their old coach. So there was a story that came out that Wilkes, who took over for another coach, um, and their GM got uh, suspended. The GM or somebody in his office gave a cell phone out, a burner cell phone, so then that uh, Wilkes can have constant communications with um, with Kyman, with Kyman. So all this supposed tanking or whatever you want to call it might be for naught. Because you might not have your first round pick. I'm so sorry for Arizona fans and Indianapolis Colts fans. And also for long-suffering San Diego Chargers fans. And for a lot of for a lot of you who are not really like in tune with the area. A lot of people in San Diego were really upset about the Chargers leaving because it was kind of shady how they did them and whatever. There was a lot of people in San Diego that supported that franchise, but when they moved up to Los Angeles, they just felt uh, betrayed and just kind of disavowed the, the franchise and just said, okay, well, if you're leaving us, well, we just will not pay attention to you. So now you have a stadium. Now the Rams are n- not like any fair shakes, but way better. But now you have SoFi, who you're, if you're the Chargers, you're renting in SoFi, by the way. Like you don't have any ownership to the gate, none of that. You're in SoFi, you rent. There's 75,000 of the other team's fans in there. So it's a away game for you in your home stadium. I mean, these are just things that just just marinate in my head time and time and time again. And how do you end up in these situations and how does this continue to happen? But have you noticed it continues to happen to the same people? 
to the same people. Just food for thought. All right. So we are getting out of here. Thank you for joining me this Friday. Enjoy all the college football that is going on. Next week, we're hitting it hard. Monday, there will be basketball. There will be football on Monday. I don't know if they're going to be two separate pods or if it's just going to be one, but that is coming. There should be many pods throughout the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and maybe even early Thursday to get you ready for the football season. We are going to have over-unders on all of the uh, teams, the divisions. We're going to have our favorite fantasy guys. We're going to have our... um, We're going to have our teams who make the playoffs. I'm excited about this. So this is all coming this week. So buckle up because it's about to get real, real serious. And I will hit you with the other stuff. Okay, so we talked about social media. Continue to follow us on social. uh, React with us. um, Get down with us in that way. Uh, front at frontrunner pc and also at nico frpc remember we do have a youtube channel the youtube channel is doing very well which is great but the one thing we do need is subscriptions so subscribe to the channel turn on the notification so when something comes up you're locked in right i have this podcast the previous podcast i did so there's a lot of clips that are about to come out, so you guys will get to enjoy those. That's what I'm probably going to be doing over the weekend, other than watching football and wrestling. Um, then I think we're going to have Nico back sometime next week. I will uh, hopefully we'll tweet that out, maybe. And then let's see what else is going on. I think that's about it. So... For myself, Vince, again, I thank you guys for taking the time out, for downloading the pod. Um, By the way, if you're downloading the pod, rate and review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you uh, listen to us. That helps us. It really does. The other thing is tell a neighbor, tell a friend a clergyman, a doctor, a police officer. We even said last on the last pod, tell somebody you really don't like. Because if it's something that you like and then they start liking it, then you guys can, instead of being enemies, you can be friends. So hopefully that's going on. I'm just kidding. I don't know. We'll see. But tell everybody you can about the pod. Um, again, we can't tell you how much we appreciate your you guys' support. Uh, Nico, who I can tell you, I know when he does come back, he'll be like, he'll be ready to go because he was uh, fiending like a couple weeks ago to come back. So we're going to have a fired up Nico Miatello. He should have, he should have a lot of wedding stories that are going to be on the pod. We might have a bonus pod of just about the wedding. Who knows? Maybe we can have Shannon on. Got to talk to him about this. Got to get all this stuff squared. But that's what's going on. 
So you guys are cut up. You know what's going on. We're back. We're doing three pods a week. You know what is about to happen. Football is upon us. Guess, guess what else is almost upon us? At the end of September, training camp for the NBA is upon us. And you know that we will be in the mix on that as well. So, for myself and Nico, we appreciate you guys. And I will see you back on this feed Monday. Deuce.